Hi everyone and welcome to Take 10 for Torah number 774. I hope you all are well. Any questions, comments, suggestions, recommendations, or sponsorships, please email me at Rabbi Yismach at take10fortorah.org. Today's 10 is sponsored memory of Chayayata Bas Gershon. May the Torah we learn today be an aliyah for her neshama. So this week is Parshas Chukas. Uh, I wanted to share with you something that I've definitely shared on this platform uh, probably and repeated multiple times, but I wanted to redo it for this week's parasha, for Parshas Chukas, and it's, I think, a fundamental idea in understanding all of mitzvot, so it's probably worthwhile to repeat. The idea of Paraduma, we know, which begins this week's parasha, Paraduma, the red cow, the process which was done with this uh, very specific process using a bunch of different variety of species and and, and grasses and herbs, and taking a particularly, uh, specifically, red cow that had to be tmima, could never have been worked, had to be perfect in its redness, and taking that cow and processing it so that it becomes ash, so that it could be sprinkled on somebody who is tmime, somebody who is as tame, as spiritually, ritually impure as possible, this can solve that problem. So this paraduma is the solution to that problem, but paraduma also has another reputation. Paraduma has the reputation, as the Medrash says, Shlomo HaMelech, in all of his wisdom, says, Amarti Kohelas, where he says, I wanted to be wise, I asked God for wisdom, but vihi and it was Rechokamimeni, I still didn't get this, I still didn't understand. There are all sorts of stories about people, uh, Gentiles, asking uh, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, what's the meaning of paraduma? Paraduma, uh, what are you doing? How does this make somebody pure? To which he responds, that's kind of a medicine, and you guys know how medicine works. And then his students say after that he walks out, so uh, did you mean that? And he says, no, I didn't mean that. I meant that it's a chok. It's something we're not necessarily given to understand, and we do it anyway because this is what God says is the purification process for somebody who was tamemes. The Sefer HaChinuch says, when he introduces all of the mitzvahs, and he gives a reason for all of them, he wrote this for his son and his uh, son's friends, he says, when it comes to this, here I'm a little bit stuck. Right? I'm not really, uh, I don't, I, I don't, uh, I don't necessarily, um, I don't necessarily do it. He quotes from this idea that God gave the reason to Moshe and nobody else. He says, I don't really know the reason either. I don't really get this. Okay. Now, the problem with all of this is, what exactly is making people uh, what's so difficult to understand, right? Rashi, in the name of Reb Moshe Hadarshan, gives a bunch of reasons, and these are the reasons we're familiar with. The paraduma is the calf, it's a female calf, it, it comes to atone for, for the... Um, for the sin of the golden calf, and he goes through all of the different things, and please take a look in Parakitess, Pasuk Bays, and on. He discusses all of the different symbolisms found in every single one of the ingredients that's used for the paraduma. So then the question becomes, so if we do have reasons, so to speak, for, for why it has to be pure, why it can never have work, we have reasons why the eight eras and the Azov and the Shnitolas, the red thread and the, and the cedar and the hyssop, if we have reasons for that, so then what exactly is so difficult? And indeed, if it is so difficult, and Shlomo Melch didn't even know it, how are people offering reasons? How are people even suggesting that these are the reasons and these are the associations? So it's important to understand that when we refer to paraduma as a chok, a chok means a mitzvah, that we do not have the reason, we do not understand the reason. Chok does not just mean we don't know what the reason is. Schok means something, I think, a little bit uh, more serious. And here's uh, here's how I know. There's a Gemara that says as follows. Really, it's a Medrash in B'midbar Rabbah. The Gemara comes uh, with different lists of Chukim, but listen to this. There are four things that the Yetzir Hara sort of responds to. The Yetzir Hara, when we do these mitzvahs, tells us what in the world are you doing. 
Okay, and in each one of these things, it says a chukah, it's considered a chok, and this measure seems to be defining what a chok is. And what are the four? Eshes ach, klayim, soyer hamishtaleach, upara aduma. What are these four things? So first is the mitzvah of Eshesach, that a person is not allowed to marry his brother's wife, unless, of course, the brother dies, in which case then there's a mitzvah to marry her, as the mitzvah of Yibam. Ukilayim, that's the mitzvah or the avera of uh, growing different species of plant together that is suspended when it comes to tzitzis. Soyer HaMishtaleach is the goat that is sent on Yom Kippur away, that is sent to create purification for the Jewish people, but in the process of that purification, it itself is, uh, it makes everything around it tame, or it makes the person, I should say, tame. And then finally, para aduma. Para aduma is this last thing. And so here, I think, we're identifying what really makes a chok, because what's the feature of para aduma that's so strange? The Chinuch does point this out as one of its very strange features. The solution itself makes a person tahor, but the process makes a person who prepares it tame. And so it's very difficult to understand what in the world is going on with this ash and this water of paraduma. Is it something which purifies, or is it something which does not purify? It's paradoxical. And I believe that this is really the definition of a chok. A chok isn't just, let's say, kashrut. Although some people do call kashrut a chok. Like, why is it that certain animals are kosher, certain animals are not? People have suggested reasons. Maybe we know, or we do not know, but it doesn't really have the definition of chok as we're explaining here. Chok, I believe, means a paradoxical mitzvah. The mitzvah makes no sense. It's just, it's, it's in, inherently, internally contradictory. How can it be that one can never marry his brother's wife, and then it becomes a mitzvah under different circumstances? How can it be that you can't mix these two fibers together in your clothing, but if you're the Kohen Gadol, you can't? How can that be that something is bad and good at the same time? That's the question that I think is supposed to be going on in our minds, we're supposed to be asking ourselves, when we encounter a chok. That's the question. I thought I wanted to be wise, says Shlomo, but it was too far. So what's the answer to this question? How, how do we understand this? So there's a very beautiful, I saw this in the Ber Yosef, um, he says, very beautiful explanation for a uh, line to Hillam. David Amalek says, Zemiros Hayuli Chukecha Beves Migurai. Your Chukim were Zemiros to me. They were songs to me in my hiding places. When I was running away from Shul, when I was living a life which wasn't fair, it didn't make any sense. Why is this happening to me? I didn't do anything. Why am I being persecuted by Shul? I sang your Chukim. The goal of Chukim, it seems, is to remind us that we live in a world where things sometimes are paradoxical. We don't understand why things are happening the way they do. And for him, in a dark and dank cave, the chukim were his zmiros, regulating ourselves to understand that we cannot understand sometimes it's the mission of this world. There's an interesting medrash that implies that Paraduma will be known to everybody when Mashiach comes. And that, to me, is aligned with the Gemara in Psachim. In Psachim it says, what do we say at the end of Elaine? On that day, 
when Mashiach comes and all will be revealed to all of the world, God's name will be one. What does it mean, God's name will be one? Atu ha'idn alavechad, who the Gemara asks, is God's name not one right now? So Amir Rabachi bar Chanina, lo kolam hazeh olam haba. The next world is not like this world. Ha'olam hazeh al besuros tova sama baracha tova ametiv. Here, when good things happen, we make a bracha, hatova metev, good things, God who does good and does good for others. The albasuros raos, and when bad things happen, omer barach ha ha'emes, we make the bracha of barach ha'en ha'emes, God is the true judge. And so we have two different experiences, we formulate two different brachos to respond differently to these two experiences. But, liolam haba, he says, in the next world, kulo hatov v'hametev, we will only be making one bracha. We will only be making one bracha. There will only be one name of God, so to speak, as the Gemara continues. There will no longer be the name of din, of judgment, the name of rachamim, where we see God manifesting himself in different ways, but rather there's going to be one name, there's going to be one experience, we are going to understand why and how things went and go the way they do. The paradoxes in this world, the bad happening to good and good happening to bad, and all of the things we have such a hard time understanding. There's a a famous story that occurred at Erev Parshas Chukas is a fast that people still have. It's brought in Shulchan Aruch, Erev Shabbos Parshas Chukas, this Friday, tomorrow. And that fast is all about the story of, uh, in 1242, of the burning of the wagon loads of Sfarim. And when that decree was... Um, was uh, was laid down, so they, they had some sort of tanis chalom, somehow they communicated uh, in some sort of dream, and the response was, da gezeras oraisa. This is the decree of heaven. Now, da gezeras oraisa are the first three words of this week's parsha. Uh, after after the first introductory pasuk. Da gezeras oraisa means zos chukas ha-Torah. That is the translation. Chukas HaTorah is the response to why bad things happen, when bad things happen. We respond with Dog Zeras Oraisa. We live in a paradoxical world, which we hope soon, very soon, will be all explained to us. There's a story with this uh, Rebbe, and uh, I don't know, everything went well while he was alive, and then this Rebbe passes away, and then uh, things go terribly in the community. And then they have some sort of, uh, I don't know, they try to communicate with the Rebbe in some way, and they say, Rebbe, what's going on? Like, what's going on? Why, why didn't things change? And somehow the response is, there's obviously a lot of the story I don't really understand, but somehow the response is as follows. The Rebbe responds to the community and says, listen, when I was alive, I saw, I could sense that bad things were coming, and I would do what I could. I would dive in, I would do what I could to make sure that the bad things would not occur. But now that I'm here, now that I'm in the next world, I see that some of the bad things that I thought were bad aren't really bad after all. And so they need to happen. And so with that message of chukim, chukim are about paradox, and they're about teaching us to live in a world of paradox for now.